We're irrelevant. We're losers. We're old. This is episode 44. I'm Alex Sprague, and it took me five tries to say that first word, and I'm not going to say it ever again. Yeah, uh, this is they're all going to laugh at him, and the him in this case is Alex. Oh, yeah, that was that was brutal. I can't say that word. Yeah, it's, I had I worst. had to like. We phonetically spelt it out so I could pronounce it because yeah. apparently it doesn't come out of my mouth. It was so fun. It was it was like the episode of Friends where Joey's trying to learn French. It's the only episode of Friends I can reference uh, where Phoebe like goes like sound by sound through a French phrase with him. But when mm. he tries to put it together, he just can't. That's exactly what it was like. I'm just Geyer. I don't think I would ever say that word because there's relevant and then there's not relevant. And I think I'll stick to that. You put an IR in front of there and that's just a nonsense word. Um, But yeah, today we watched Grown Ups 2. Yeah, we did. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, we're watching all Adam Sandler and Adam Sandler adjacent films every day. For 60 days in a row. Um, well, we're watching one a day for 60 days. Not all 60 every day. That would be impossible unless you had some sort of remote control that controlled time. That could happen. Why are we doing know. this? Why are we doing this thing? Dear critics, we accept the fact that we had to sacrifice a whole movie in detention for whatever it was we did wrong. But we think you're crazy to make us write, write a script telling you who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definitions. But we found out is that each one of us is a brain and a fighter and a father, a genius and a comedian. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours, The Comedy Club. In other words, does Adam Sandler deserve all the hate? Yeah, uh, that actually fits so well. Despite the fact that there aren't like a lot of Breakfast Club references in this one, Although maybe there was a few because this was probably the most reference heavy movie we've seen. Yeah. And it took a while for us to like even realize that there were references going on for a bit. Mm -hmm. When they mentioned that they were having an 80s party, which is kind of like the center point of the theme or of yeah. the plot. Although the fact that I missed like they were doing a weekend at Bernie's thing with Nick Swartzen early on. And there was <laughs> oh, yeah. So much stuff going on. They made references to their own 80s movies. All right, I, I guess Billy Madison wasn't an 80s movie, was it? It was an early 90s. Whatever. Um, it's still an 80s movie. Fuck it. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. This movie was really good. It and, was. Like, everyone has, I'm going to say it, they have critic's brain. And critic's brain is where you're so smart you can't enjoy things um, that have some way of putting it down to make yourself feel smart. It was so funny. D did the plot make sense? Not really, but it wasn't supposed to. It, yeah. I mean, it was just a fun movie to watch. There were some problematic moments, I will not mm -hmm. lie to you. But yeah. if you can get past that and you just want to have a lark and laugh, it had so many of the things that I love in a movie. Yeah, some of... I want to say the problematic stuff... Um, there was transphobia, which is yes. uncomfortable and not great um, until David Spade gets angry about it at the end, which is better. Uh -huh. Still not great. Um, and then there's some sexual harassment, which 
is a take on 80s movies. Yes. Uh, which I guess people, like, they were referencing it and kind of making fun of it and saying it's uncomfortable and bad. Yeah, but. we'll get to those things. I want to talk about those both in a little bit more detail. Um, transphobia, I'm not going to talk about in too much detail, but I do want to kind of mention how David Spade kind of, I, want, I don't want to say lampshaded it. Mm-hmm. But they were they were definitely lampshading the sexual harassment thing, but the transphobia was more like we are actually doing this as a joke thing. Like like we're making a joke about this is what I'm saying. People were, whereas David Spade was not, basically. Yes, that's true. That's the character who liked the character who was being made fun of. Yes. Did not other characters treated that character badly. Not great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the the bigger thing I want to come to is a lot of people hated this movie. Uh, uh, like you can see people on the internet going crazy about how, you know, they, they'd love to make fun of it. Um, and I get that maybe it doesn't make as much sense to people who haven't been watching so many Adam Sandler movies. People who don't really like eighties movies might not have picked up on the fact that this is supposed to be like, a surreal take on just all 80s movies. But I think that any reviewer or critic that simply stated that this movie wasn't funny is lying. Like they're, they're either ethically lying to make themselves feel better as reviewers, movie reviewers, or they don't have a fucking sense of humor. Like maybe it's not your kind of humor. I get that. Some people aren't into like kind of sight gags or slapstick or I don't know. They kind of hit on every type of humor for me to be perfectly honest. Um, referential humor. Um, and that's fine. You, you don't have to. But to say it's humorless, like you're just fucking wrong, dude. Like. I don't I don't get it like. Yeah. So basically. I don't know what it is. Are they saying that to find these things funny is wrong? I don't know. Um, I think the idea that this isn't funny is outlandish. Um, to find no humor in it is wrong, in my opinion. If you're a movie critic, you should like it more because they constantly are lampshading and making fun of other movies in this movie. You know, like the, the scene where the Twilight kid jumps 15 feet in the air to fight someone. <laughs> it's so fucking hilarious, dude. Are you it kidding me? Direct rip off of like the last Twilight movie. So funny. Jacob from Twilight is in this movie, Taylor Lautner, and he is absolutely spectacular in this movie. <laughs> Like so the good. the idea of these like frat bros being like a plague that like are they just start <laughs> chanting kill 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 and then they start yeah. trying to kill each other it's so funny and they'll just like randomly start like howling for each other and then yeah. a bunch of them swarm an area even if there is none in the area beforehand they don't like, howl they go whoop whoop. Yeah. Or, well, they don't do the they don't do the juggalo it's thing. It's close but you to know the juggalo thing. It's close yeah. to the juggalo thing. Yes. I mean, the thing is, I think a lot of people are taken aback because this is a sequel to a movie that was not fantastical or surreal in any way, and this movie is. Yeah, this movie like wildly wild. And it's because why not? 
you know, they're, yeah. they're making a comedy. Um, they're not making some big heartfelt statement in this one. They're making some small statements about like, you know, trying to plan things out too much might be bad. X, Y, Z. We'll talk about those later. Mm-hmm. But like, I I just honestly can't believe people are being truthful in their criticism of this movie when saying it's not funny or it has no humorous movements. I, I, I read a review that some guy said he didn't smile in the movie once. Like, what? Yeah, like, are you purposely frowning? Because <laughs> I can see that. Um, and I, I, I do wonder, and I want, I, this kind of what I want to start talking about is um, two things. One, is us watching the movies together make it funnier? Probably. Yes. Um, I don't think, I generally don't think you should watch comedies alone. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah, it, I mean, maybe, that, maybe that's the problem experience. with critics. They they probably watch movies just by themselves. I mean, they probably like in a theater or maybe they're getting a special screening. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of like when you go and you watch a scary movie in theaters. It's so much better of an experience. Yeah. Um, and for me, my second question is, we've been doing this for 44 days. Have we just turned into people that will forever have a lowbrow sense of humor? Um, are we irredeemable? Is there is there something about us now where like this type of movie is funny and it wouldn't have been funny to me at a different time? No, this movie definitely would have been funny to me at a different time. Are you kidding? Like that's what I'm thinking. Like I I want to give people benefit of doubt because I'm seeing there's so many people who hated this movie that. Maybe I'm wrong, but like... No, I refuse to believe it. Yeah. I'm not wrong. It's the children who are wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I I bet the children kind of liked it because they're not quite so up their own ass on the internet. It doesn't have to be film. Not every movie has to be art. It's fine. It's fine for what it is. And this movie was hilarious. I will take no questions on this. Yeah. Um... On that note, I laughed 68 times in 140 minutes. Very funny. I I laughed pretty hard at several times also. I hurt my throat laughing. And, oh, this is a three-star Sandlayer movie. Of course it is. But of course. I don't need to talk about that. It's also the first sequel that Adam Sandler has done. Yes. There was a sequel previously, obviously, with Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo, but this is the first one that he has appeared in. Which can can we take a moment real quick to <laughs> to appreciate the fact that yes, even though Adam Sandler has done adaptations on a couple of his movies twice, most of his stuff is original scripts. Isn't that something that people complain about all the time on the yeah. internet? Yeah, they don't give him crap for that. The fact that he's where we're at has done forty one original movies out of forty four. Yeah, I mean, no, they don't give a shit. They, no. they don't want to give any benefit, and like you know. I worry sometimes that we're getting too deep into the idea that, like, we're pro Adam Sandler and we're not looking at this with, like, an even keel. But, like, fucking stop. Maybe he'll stop making good movies then. He keeps making funny shit or interesting shit. So, of course, I'm going to keep liking it. I'm not going to apologize for even if I've liked Adam Sandler movies more because I have the experience of watching all of these Adam Sandler movies. I'm not going to apologize for for liking when it deer pees on somebody i thought that was great like 
when it happens, I'm like, it's kind of funny. But when Salma Hayek yells, like, why don't you close your mouth? That's <laughs> that's a funny statement for her to that's yell. So I also funny. saw someone call her acting hollow. And I was like, fuck you. What are you talking about? Like <laughs> She was great in this. I, I like that she was a lot weirder in this. She was kind of uptight in Grown Ups 1, like mm-hmm. her character. And in this one, she's a lot more like she's let more loose. You know, she's not in Hollywood anymore. She's kind of living more normally. She makes sense to be with someone like Lenny in the movie, in my yes. opinion. Unlike in the first one. Yes. But while we continue that, I don't we will recap the movie, but I want to talk about critic shit first. So that's yeah, going to okay, be yes. a longer portion. Okay. Uh, What's the critics, critic rating? Critics What's the said audience? 15, audience said 45. Audience are at 53%. Critics okay, are at 7%. They are wrong. I hate them. I hate all of them. And I am personally offended on behalf of Adam Sandler. It, like, that's an offensive thing to say. You're saying <laughs> this is worse than the animal? No, it's not. Um, there's a lot of people who are like, there's no plot. I'm like, yeah, it's the plot. The plot's closer to Dazed and Confused than it is to fucking, like, Police Academy. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Are you watching Adam Sandler movies for the plot? That It's literally, like... Are you coming into Grown Ups 2 for the plot? <laughs> what are you doing? I, the thing that is crazy to me is, like... It's like saying, like, yeah, The Breakfast Club had no plot. They were just, like, in detention. Like, no, it was pretty funny and goofy. Dazed and Confused didn't have a plot. Yeah, it had a bunch of little scenes that rammed into each other at the end. But in this one, they thought it'd be funny to have it be a giant fight scene. But yeah, let's talk about some of these reviews because... Yeah. I'm... Dude, I I can't take it. I don't understand it. Oh, can I read one trivia, though, first? Yes. Because it is directly related to what I just said. So this is the favorite my my favorite thing I've seen on IMDb. <sighs> 16 out of 34 people found this interesting. The film has many parallels with Richard Linklater's Dazed and Confused 1993. Both take place in the last day of school, have ensemble casts featuring primary story arcs for both older and younger groups of characters, tackle the phenomena of youth hazing, include uh, include an everyman protagonist who is genuinely welcomed by all crowds slash cliques depicted on screen, have a fistfight standoff between two men serve as the climactic scene and have several interconnected plots all clashed together during the pursuit of the big kegger party in town that night. And then we get four dashes and someone else has edited this to add, this movie has nothing at all connected with Days and Confused, literally not even in the same realm. Whoever thought this has no clue about movies. <laughs> I mean, that guy's wrong because there's several <laughs> references to Days and Confused. It being the last day of school. At high school and then being handed the beers was a direct reference to them, in my opinion. I'm not 100% sure it was a direct reference, but. No, it, it definitely had the same feel, like the plot wise, the bullying stuff, like a lot of that, I feel like. The, the idea that there's these jockey frat bros types that are like harassing people. Yeah, read read some of the reviews. We'll, let's, yeah, let's... I'm, I'm, I'm going to start with some user reviews. Um. Because I, I kind of just typed the the term in, and I went to everyone's favorite cesspool, uh, Reddit. <laughs> oh, I, this one was one I just liked. It's weird. Every critic, online reviewer, and internet commentator I've seen have said this movie was vapid, plotless, unfunny unfun- piles of cinematic garbage. But every person I actually talked to who I ha- have seen it 
says it's actually hilarious. Man, I like Adam Sandler a lot. Happy Gilmore is one of my all-time most favorite and funny movies. But this new movie is bad. He needs to make better movies from this one. Um, which I love because this movie is the exact same humor as Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison. Yeah, there, there's it's true. no difference. It's the same types of jokes. To be fair, Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison did have more of a plot. They had more of a like a traditional movie structure. Compared yes, to this one. which maybe was good, but also like I don't think that this movie needed it. Is the thing? Yeah, this movie was a mostly reference and also had the same show of the previous movie. Like yeah, but I'll I'll talk about that. Yeah, like it ends in the same way, but opposite. It mirrors it. Um, this one's great though. I know that I'm extremely late to this thread, but was there ever an explanation as to why his character family in this movie just did the what? Whereas in the first movie, that never happened. Not once. Just one of my pet peeves about this movie, even though overall I thought it was a decent film. Um, and then there's several people saying it's because they were all SNL leftovers. Um, there's no explanation. It was probably cut. Uh, no, it was just some stupid thing they decided to do. It's a reference to Urkel, guys. Yeah. It's a reference to Urkel. They, they, they have the whole family do an Urkel and be annoying and stupid because Urkel sucked and it's not like good comedy, but it's kind of funny to make fun of it. And plus, you know, they're making fun of 80s stuff. So yeah, the whole movie was making fun of 80s types of comedy. And then here, here's what I find. Uh, this is a weird review. While I found the what and the burp snort parts of the movie more obnoxious than funny, the Happy Madison gang still pulled off a decent flick. I was particularly amused by the lacrosse stick-wielding frat boys, <laughs> along with their over-the-top handshake and their no-homo-style homosexual tendencies-based bromance. When did that happen? Yeah, there was no no-homo stuff with that, actually. Yeah, there, there's they don't make any jokes as far as the frat bros go uh, to that. Um, they're reading into that themselves. Yeah. Which I found interesting. I mean, are fraternities inherently a little bit homoerotic? Yes. Yeah. Um, but they have a homoerotic scene in the movie where the <laughs> Lonely Island boys are all wearing cheerleader outfits and washing a car, and Kevin James isn't super psyched in it, but his wife is. Like, why not why not talk about that there? Yeah. And then someone wrote I'm no king, thirteen paragraphs on how to make this movie better you can't see my face right now but it's shocked please yeah i i do are we gonna read them all I'm, I'm gonna read one so there's one paragraph that is uh really shows the type of person who goes on the internet and complains about this movie quality control this movie would have been so much better if it replaced the bottom 30 percent of the jokes with something else perhaps some character development perhaps a real plot perhaps some nice scenery or photography Pictures of poop or footage from World War II concentration camps? Anything would be better than the bottom 30% of the jokes. So that person's trying to be funny. My favorite line on this one is, The burp snart? The burp snart? Have they no dignity? Have they no self-respect? <laughs> as as uh, Anna Ferris said, you know, there's no ego in comedy. Um, there is so much cringe in that movie. The jokes are either hit or miss. And by miss, I mean, holy shit, am I really watching this shit right now? To the point where I start wondering whether I'm actually watching a comedy or an artsy movie. And uh, a few more, you know, professional reviews. This is not a movie. 
This is nothing but Adam Sandler hanging out with his pals and congratulating himself on how awesome he finds himself to be. Now, the main problem with this is the plot of the movie is how Lenny's not as great as he talks himself up to be. <laughs> yeah. That's literally his character development in the movie. Like, that's not hard to miss, right? No. 7%. Oh, I like this one from the New York Times. This is Pap. Plain and simple. Scattered, raunch light, devoid of emotional re- resonance. Um, it was Grown Ups too. New York Times. Yeah, like, a movie of fools, by fools, for fuels, fools. <laughs> I mean, I'm a fool, fuck it. Like, I believe that shit. Like, yeah, man, I, I don't know why people have to take it so fucking seriously. Yeah. Like, that's the thing that bothers me is, and listen to this NPR quote, grownups minus two would be more apt. The fuck are you even talking about, Mark Jenkins? It's not even a good joke. This is what pisses me off. None of them can make a goddamn joke. And I know you don't have to be able to make a joke to talk about a comedy. But, like, if you're not funny and don't have a sense of humor, you probably shouldn't review comedy films. I, and I don't even think I'm, I'm not that funny at all. I can make nerds laugh mostly and drunk people laugh. I got those two down. But, like, come on. <laughs> Some of the shit they say is just, like, offensive. This, the movie, again, it's Grown Ups too. If you're going in expecting, like, what's, what's an idea? What's a sophisticated comedy movie I can reference? Funny people. Yeah, if you're going in and ex- expecting funny people that you're going to want to rate in the 20s or whatever critics did. I don't remember. Uh, you're going into it wrong. If you're if you're upset that the jokes are lazy or whatever you're saying, you're going into it wrong. Like, can you just like sit back and and have a good time? You want me to review this or recap it? One sec, I have one more point to make. Um, <clears throat> here's two reviews real quick. Sandler noun a person so indifferent towards your movie going experience that he seems to go out of his selfish way to de- decrease your enjoyment, which. Totally makes sense. That's why they made so much fucking money on it. And among the slackiest, laziest, least movie-like movies released by a movie major studio in the last decades, Grown Ups 2 is perhaps the closest Hollywood has yet come to making Ow My Balls seem like a plausible future project. Now, you know what Ow My Balls is, right? Of course I do. It's a TV show they watch on Idiocracy. Now, do you know how many similar gags are in Idiocracy? Like physical comedy and people getting hit in the balls. Oh, and well, like so many of them, yeah. And we laugh at it because it's supposed to be this is what dumb people watch. Idiocracy has a 76% from critics on Rotten Tomatoes and a 60 by audiences, meaning it's only a 5% difference to how this movie is perceived. Uh, actually, I did the math wrong. Fuck it. I don't give a shit. But, like, this is my issue. I think Idiocracy is an okay movie. The fact that people fucking lose their minds for it, though, shows that if you just say, look how dumb other people are and how smart we are, they'll they'll say the movie's good. But if you say, we can all be fucking dumb together and look at all those people who were fucking shitty in the last movie that I thought I hated, 
they're perfectly fine too. They just kind of have different experiences. We just got kind of like hang out and talk to them a bit. But no, that's not a message the fucking elitist critics like. And that's why they don't like this movie. And they can all go fuck themselves. If you're a critic, don't talk to me. All my homies fucking hate critics. Um, Can I tell you a few things that are going to make you really mad? Yeah, go for it. All right. So I'm just going to read you some of the other comedy movies that came out in 2013. So uh, first one is Bad Grandpa. Saw it. It's really, really bad. Do you want to know what... Do you want to know what it was rated on Rotten Tomatoes? 30. 61. What? 61%, Alex. Now, is that the Robert De Niro one or the one with Johnny nope, Knoxville? That's, that's the Johnny Knoxville God, one. I hoped it was the De Niro one. Dude, that movie fucking sucks so bad. That's the worst part of even the Jackass movies. And well, I like and the it, Jackass it's movies. It's also raunchier and stupider than... This movie, literally in the synopsis that they have here, never quite as funny as it wants to be, Jackass Presents Bad Grandpa still offers viewers the timeless pleasures of seeing an old man get his private stuck in a vending machine. (sighs) Tell me, what's what's the hangover part three have Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes? Do you want to guess on that one? I mean, I would put it at like an 18%. It's a 20%. That was a little bit more accurate. Audience score is still rated right. at 44%. That one's, I mean, it's it's really fucking bad. I think that movie sucks. Yeah, it, but, uh, it does. Yeah. Um, Other comedy movies, R.I.P.D. That's not uh, a comedy movie. <laughs> it's just listed on there. They also listed The Wolf of Wall Street up here. What about Delivery Man with Vince Vaughn? <laughs> I, I, I watched that. Um. I think on a plane. Uh, that got 40%. <laughs> what? That movie's what literally one of the worst movies I've ever seen. God damn it, dude. The Internship got 34%. That one was okay, I if I remember correctly. I don't really remember seeing it. Um, Burt Wonderstone, actually pretty funny movie, just because I like uh, bad magicians. We Are the Millers got 47%. That's a terrible movie. And tell me, Anchorman 2. That come out in 2013? Yep, apparently. Oh, Alex. What? 75%. How, dude? Certified fresh. Are you, am I losing my mind? Did we see the same thing? It, w- it was barely a movie, right? Audience rated it 52. <sighs> I mean, like, I don't know if it's like I'm in some postmodernism. I'm, I think I'm post-comedy now. Like, whatever people think is comedy, I'm past that. I think something else is comedy now. And the people are this wrong. This is dude. just proof that critics don't like Adam Sandler. He has deeply wronged one of them, and word has just passed around. And they're just rating his movies like shit. I mean, would a critic be taken seriously if they kept giving movies good ratings, do you think? You think that Adam Sandler is like the the fodder? Yeah, like, I mean, we gotta uh, dump our our bad rating somewhere. Well, I'm thinking like you know if if you read some like sci fi pulp book, you know if would would you be made fun of if you're like yeah I really enjoyed it like I know it's not infinite jest but it's you know fucking a pretty decent book it's fun I got the adventure it was a good time 
Is there like, I don't know, I, I kind of, at this point, I'm more interested in the reason. Why does everyone, I mean, maybe they all legitimately dislike it, but I honestly don't believe that because movies that are basically the same thing are always rated higher. That's, I just, I, I, I honestly don't get it. I know, like, we're just rambling on this fucking fact, but, and I know no one's watching along with us. Like, if you are, you're a fucking hero, even if it's done way down the line. But I don't fucking get it, dude. Yeah. Like, I'm actually, like, slowly losing my mind. And it's not because the movies are bad. I'm enjoying most of them. They're at least okay. You know, like, I wasn't like, here comes the booms. Great. I thought it was like a 5.5 or 6, but. It is like we're experiencing different realities from these reviewers and from other people who are talking about Adam Sandler. And it really does make me question my perception of movies in general. I, you know, I, the only thing that I had any affinity for Adam Sandler for before this was uncut gems, really. Mm -hmm. Everything else, I mean, I could have taken it or leave it or, or left it. And now the only affinity I have is that I've watched 42 of his movies. Well, I guess I liked Adam Sandler, like, SNL stuff, but... Yeah, I, I mean, the thing is, for me, it's just, like, obviously a lot of people hate this guy. But a lot of people have hated a lot of things I've really liked throughout my life. You know, like, people fucking hate Brussels sprouts. And they're also wrong. You know? Yeah. Brussels like, sprouts get a bad name. It's... At this point, I'm, try I'm trying to come to terms with the fact that general audiences apparently do not agree with my opinion i'm used to that you know like i don't fucking like capitalism a lot of people don't think that's the right opinion but i don't know man like it is strange at this point that overwhelmingly people who seem to do this professionally like say this is good or this is bad and they're acting like maybe literally they're making movies for themselves at this point. And at this point, we're part of the crew because we've seen everything. We get the jokes. And I'm not saying they're like, you know, over people's head or too smart. What I'm saying is like, in jokes are a real thing. And at this point, like, is it just funnier? Because we understand who these people are and what these tropes are and where they're coming from. And are they actually so in touch with themselves and not caring about the outside world? that the average person can't find this as funny as we do because we understand them at this point. And is that like a really fucked up thing to do is to like get so invested in Adam Sandler movies that you now understand the like ennui of their fucking comedy stylings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to recap the plot because we're 40 minutes into this. Yeah, I, yeah let's just do it because... Uh, the Faders have moved back to their hometown, and it is the last day of school for the kids. We're reintroduced to the families, such as when a deer goes wild in the Fader household and is only held off because it has a penchant for the daughter's toy, Mr. Gigglesworth. Kevin James' son, the one who drank breast milk in the first movie, is not very bright. Uh, can't do math. But his parents don't tell him no. Uh, Chris Rock and Maya Rudolph have their 20th anniversary, which Maya Rudolph forgot about. And David Spade has a kid he didn't know about who is super scary. Uh, and we also learn that Greg, who's Adam Sandler's oldest kid, has a crush on a girl named Nancy Arbuckle. Hey. Just kind of table setting. I, I do want to ask. Is Nancy Arbuckle the name of uh, 
like Garfield's owner's wife now. <laughs> what? Like, it wasn't Garfield's owner always after Nancy? I don't know. I'll look it up while you recap. Adam Sandler ends up driving the school bus to school that day because Nick Swardson, the bus driver, is on drugs. Chris Rock wants to have a first day of summer party, which he also he gets on the bus and talks to him about this. But Sandler says that they're too old to party. We also see Keith, Sandler's other kid, get picked on by this giant kid uh, bully. Um, Salma Hayek learns that her employee Penny is obsessed with her husband because they dated in sixth grade. In the wives yoga class, we meet a big buff lady who is the center of a bunch of transphobic jokes. Uh, John Lovitz also creeps on them uh, and sexually harasses them. And then the real instructor is sexually harassed by the women. But it's okay because he's gay, I guess. That's not true. That's 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 very homophobic. Uh, the guys drive the bus to Kmart and we see some of the villains of the past movie there. Uh, apparently Tim Meadows' son, Bumpty is going to date Chris Rock's daughter, Charlotte. Sandler also brags about how he could kick his childhood, uh, like kick the ass of his childhood bully, Kavanaugh. We also meet the cops in the parking lot, played by Shaq and Peter Dante. Uh, (laughs) Oh, man, good shit. And this is where the surreality of the movie fucking kicks in. Yeah, they give the bus an escort to the dance recital with Peter Dante literally shooting his gun up in the air as people like jump out of the way. Uh, And everyone wants to be at the dance recital there because the instructor is hot. And it turns out that she's Kavanaugh's wife. Uh, Kavanaugh is played by Stone Cold Steve Austin. And as he should be, Sandler is still very afraid of him. Mm. Uh, David Spade's kid, Brayden, he goes to school on the last day of school. Um, David Spade gives the excuse that he's going to be volunteering at a soup kitchen, but that is a lie. Uh, But he convinces Kurt's old... uh, uh, Chris Rock's oldest kid, Andre, and Sandler's oldest kid, Greg, to do something that they're not supposed to. So they break into this, uh, like, quarry that's flooded. Braden says his dad, uh, I already mentioned that, that he's at a soup kitchen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a lie. Um, they happen upon a college party, and at the same time, so do, like, Kevin James, Adam Sandler, David Spade, um, and Chris Rock. But then some frat guys led by Jacob from Twilight confront them. Uh, They do a bunch of flips. They're very scary. Um, They summon more frat kids. uh, And they make the older guys jump off the cliff naked. Uh, Brayden sees this and he's very upset because his dad said he was at the soup kitchen. And the best visual gag is when we see him, he's like screwed up his face in anger. And he has a new tattoo because he has a bunch of tattoos. He has a new tattoo that says the soup was a lie. And I liked (laughs) that. That was very good. Yeah, it was a good one. Uh, Later, after a tire rolling incident, we find out that Brayden was caught with a spray paint can looking like he was up to no good in the back of the squad car. Turns out he has vandalized the frat house, making it seem like it was the old dudes, and the frat guys want to kill the old guys now. Uh, There's an 80s party that resolves a lot of the plot points. Uh, The breast milk kid turns out to be a piano genius. So he's not good at math, but he's a genius at the piano. Um, There are little romances that are kind of resolved. Uh, Charlotte, uh, who is one of Chris Rock's daughter, um, had mentioned earlier that she can sing, and of course... Then she has to end up singing. I hate those kinds of plot points. That was that was the <laughs> worst part of the movie for me. Yeah, it wasn't great. But Salma Hayek, who had been talking about wanting a fourth kid this entire time, and Sandler has been like, "No, I don't want a fourth kid." I guess I should have mentioned that. It's kind of a main plot. Um, eh. She's pregnant. 
so it makes like she feels really bad that Adam Sandler doesn't want to have a kid because she's already pregnant. The stud muffin yoga teacher fixes Mr. Gigglesworth and uh, Steve Austin is confronted by Sandler, who's trying to like show his kids like how you stick up for yourself with a bully. Because his son's being bullied. Yeah. I don't think you mentioned that. I did earlier on the bus. At the party, he's also being bullied, but. Yes. Uh, Steve Austin lets Adam Sandler pretend to frighten him. Like, like at first he's, he says, like, hit me in the jaw and I'll go down. Uh, and then he kind of changes it to act like he's afraid because um, he doesn't think that anyone would believe that he'd be able to knock him out. And he, he does this to to look good, to help him look good in front of his kid. He says, like, you would do the same for me if it was my son. And it's actually true because in yeah. Grown Ups 1, we saw that Adam Sandler did let the other guys win the basketball game. Yeah, because he wanted them to look good in front of their kids, um, which is, yeah. you know, tying it into the themes of the first movie, even though people did not probably realize that. Yeah. But whatever. Um, and when Stephen Austin walks away, his wife, the dance instructor, um, says that was the manliest thing you've ever done. And I really liked that. I was like, yes, that is a very manly thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that is that is called positive masculinity. Um, what what Adam Sandler did is um, he took it over the top. That's getting a bit toxic there, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the frat boys show up and there's a huge fight, like two clashing armies, very Twilight-esque, yeah. especially with Taylor Lautner <laughs> literally leaping into the air. There's also, so a lot of people like thought this was nonsense and they like said it wasn't funny and they didn't make any sense. And it's not supposed to make sense. There's 150 people on each side about like... It's not some like realistic portrayal of what would happen. It's a No, it's just spoof. goofy. It's a spoof of this idea that like so many 80s movies finished in this giant clash of battle for like no fucking reason. You know, yeah, that's what so like funny. Revenge of the Nerds did that a bunch, right? Like there's all yeah, whatever. They're they're all dressed in 80s costumes cuz it's an 80s party. So you get to see like there's a great um, Tim Meadows and Chris Rock both show up at the party dressed up as Prince and they show them both punching a guy like both together punching the guy in a great two princes reference yeah so they're they're punching a guy and every time they hit him he'll turn 180 degrees over and over so he's just spinning and it's like yeah two, two princes spin doctor reference so um, funny and like fuck you they're not thinking about the movie that's a, a complicated reference to set up is this fucking spin doctor whatever and this fight is so funny to me. It, it just like it's one of my favorite things is just like ridiculous fighting, like gratuitous violence. I mean, it's part of the thing people loved about uh, Anchorman. Yes, exactly. Like I love that scene in Anchorman too. Yeah, yeah. The first Anchorman, Anchorman not two. Yes, yes. Also, in addition, Adam Sandler gets clocked and knocked out by Taylor Lautner, who does like a spin kick ninja style thing. Uh, but the little little daughter saves the day by luring the deer with Mr. Gigglesworth again and having it crunch on Taylor Lautner's balls. Uh, and then all the frat boys run away. Mm-hmm. And then the guys, uh, both the like Kevin James and Adam Sandler crew and also like the Tim Meadows, Jonathan Loughran crew, they they get together at um, Kevin James's mom's house and they look at baby pictures and laugh. And then Adam Sandler goes home. And he talks to his baby in Salma Hayek's belly. The end. I, and, and I like there's a bunch of like little vignette things that I didn't even mention in the movie. But it, it, it's very slice of life 
of this little town. And it's done on purpose because it's not supposed to be like, uh, look at these characters and how they develop. It's supposed to be referencing the differences between like the 80s themes and illusions they're making throughout the entire movie and like the newer comedy and such but they keep it directly in the 80s stuff even things of like frat bros pulling up on a high school or taking his driving test and like throwing <laughs> him a beer and them being like hell yeah and it's like even like an 80s looking beer i know that's like a weird statement but like they're not even drinking like new beer <laughs> yeah it's like a retro beer can yeah because you know drinking and driving happened all the time in the 80s movies and stuff uh something that you know, Adam Sandler constantly says is a bad thing in his movies. Yeah, I mean, the the movie was just, there was so much, like, 80s references, plus it was the 80s party, and that does really have to do with the theme. It's the same theme from Grown Ups 1. It's about, um, you know, regressing back to your childhood and just letting loose and having fun. And they're teaching kids not to plan too far forward with things yes because it just makes you stressed out and negative you know th they very quickly decide on a party um it shows like the son's planning on being in football and then he breaks his leg so he can't so like while it's great to make that plan you know things get in the way so you can't plan for everything um they make several references to that yeah like the unplanned pregnancy yes Mm -hmm. and how it, it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Yeah, and the the Kevin James's mom in the final scene, like second second to final scene, says it very blatantly, like don't don't plan things out too much. Let a little surprise in your life. You know, and I think it's probably one of Adam Sandler's personal philosophies too. I think that's probably a philosophy of a lot of comedians, especially mm -hmm. comedians that started in kind of the improv-y snl type thing yeah yeah it's not super deep that one but it, it does make sense for what they're saying oh yeah yeah, yeah. you know it, it shows also people and and it's a theme throughout the whole movie like uh chris rock character is a cable guy and he shows up at 359 because his cable slot is from 8 a.m to 4 p.m waits for her to go to the bathroom puts a sticker that says, sorry, we missed you, and rings the bell and runs. And it's like making a joke about someone just saying they're waiting on someone for their entire day. Well, you know you know who that was. Yeah, it's his grandma. Be, right? Or yeah, his mother-in-law. Yeah. But, like, there's other stuff of, like, this son worrying about asking a girl out, um, and he's afraid to do so, and he's been, like, trying to talk himself into it, and I'm saying, there's like, well, don't worry too much about it, just, like, give it a shot just like try this and if it works it works type thing and there, there's a lot to be said about that mentality of not stressing tiny things and kind of just you know you shouldn't just hope things work out when it's important but like a lot of people over worry very simple things in my opinion yeah then again i'm good at dealing with stress in high stress situations so i guess i'm not the <laughs> person to make that uh a, you know, staying. You have here too. I think it's a good theme to touch on right now, just because we were talking about like 
looking forward, let's also talk about looking back again mm-hmm. with the 80s. So you have this written down that the 80s had a ton of problems and wasn't so great looking back, but still fun to think about. What do you mean by that? So, you know, they, they make a lot of reference to the fact that nostalgia is good at times. They really enjoy hanging out and thinking about their past. But they also constantly talk about how, like, we're old and we're losers now, that whole thing. And we're irrelevant. And I did look up and read it off the screen. Oh, nice. But the reason they're saying that is because, like, yeah, they don't they don't necessarily fit in with kids and they don't want to. They kind of reminisce a lot about the partying they used to do and how it was a good time. But they show, like, through Nick Swartzen's character that, like, He's developed a lot of problems due to his reliance on like drugs and alcohol, something that is bad and how pretending like you're not moving forward in your life is also bad using the the character Higgins with David Spade. It's overall theme like if you try to stay stuck in the past, like all the enemy characters did in the first one, your life turns out kind of shitty. Yeah. Move out of your small town. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that was a, a kind of weird thing where. The frat guys constantly say you're all going to be stuck in this small town and be fucking losers forever. And they're being like overly jerks about it. Um, but they're saying it to someone who left the town and was successful and then came back later. And that's that's a bit weird, that whole idea. Because I think you you move out of your small town, that's always better. And they show that these guys didn't really fulfill what they wanted to do. Because when they're trying to fight back from that, they're like... You know, I own one of the best auto repair places in the area and I'm a cable guy. I got free cable for life and Higgins works part time at a go kart track. Like it shows their lives didn't reach where they want them to. But it also shows that, like, that's not necessarily the worst thing. But at the same time, it does kind of suck to be scooping ice cream when you're like middle aged. I mean, yeah, unless I guess unless that's your passion, then go for it. You know? <laughs> but it's it's obviously not a lot of people's passion. Uh, yeah, there actually, I don't think that there are a lot of job opportunities in this town, except um, like, I mean, even the police force is only two cops. Yeah. So. Um, and they 80s the cops up by having them randomly oh, yeah. shoot into the air a lot and pull their guns as jokes. Uh huh. Which normally when, when they first showed Shaq pull a gun on them as a joke, I was like, I don't really like this but then it shows like peter dante's hammered skiing off a roof while shooting his guns in the air yelling i am the law yeah and also like shag gets drunk and falls asleep in like the playhouse and then when he sees his brother tim meadows being noogied he like breaks out of it and then literally launches the dude over the house like yeah he throws a man like a hundred feet in the air yeah (laughs) But this movie doesn't make any sense. That's not even realistic. He can't throw someone that far. I still think that this is a very Adam Sandler thing to do to make cops all bumbling idiots. Yeah, I mean, it's the only way uh, cops are acceptable in a movie is if they're fucking idiots. (laughs) Yeah. Man, I was reading uh, or I was listening to a podcast yesterday that just had the statistic of how often cops shoot uh, each other. Is that Behind the Police by Robert Evans? Yes. Good series. Go watch it. ACAB. Yeah, the the cops are, are not great in this one. They don't really do anything and they actively don't prevent 
the fights from breaking out. Like, yeah, I think that's actually pretty true of small towns in general. That small towns are, you know, full of corruption and cronyism. And that's that's what happens when, you know, mm. everyone, if like you grew up in the town, you become the in group in a small town. There are statistics. Um, apparently, people in small towns trust their police officers more. But typically, that's that's tied into how smaller towns tend. This is not always true, obviously, but they tend to have a little bit more accountability with their police. Um, I would be willing to bet that there are some other factors, like how a lot of small towns are primarily white. But also, uh, I bet most small towns, the police officer lives in town. Yes, I think that's that's also true. Um, yeah, for sure. But yeah, so like this movie is a farce. It is oh, farcical. Yeah. Um, apparently people don't really like that anymore. I'm still big on it. This movie in a lot of ways reminded me of Top Secret, weirdly enough. Oh, yeah. It's it's obviously not the same. Um, they're not doing a, a straight up... Uh, I guess, what's the term for that? Like the puns that they're doing? Yeah, they're not like doing a bunch of like weird visual puns, but like the amount of gags they have on screen at time are great. I think it's more similar to something like National Lampoon. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking National Lampoon's uh, Christmas vacation. I, I only really watched those when I was adult and I already knew Chevy Chase was a piece of shit. So like those don't <laughs> yeah, hit the yeah. same for me. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, no, like, the thing is, they really do capture the sense of, like, friends hanging out and joking with each other well. And, like, I don't think critics have friends, so maybe that's why they don't like the movie. And I will never stop hitting critics till the day I die. You also have here up on the discussion something about Kmart. Oh, yeah. There's probably product placement because they go to a nice Kmart, which doesn't exist anymore. No. <laughs> but in... This is 2013 yeah it was on its last legs in 2013 yeah this was probably the last thing that ever uh made money off of kmart <laughs> yeah they yeah they go to kmart oh no fucking sue him dude it's like whatever he might as well have a thousand product placements in each movie everyone's gonna fucking hate fucking hate it anyway uh the last thing i do want to talk about though is the sexual harassment in this movie mm-hmm and I think that it is purposely pointing out the sexual harassment that takes place in 80s movies. 80s movies are notorious for this. Yes. But they're lampshading it, too, in a way, like, by showing, like, haha, isn't this ridiculous? Um, but they're still, you know, engaging in the sexual harassment. Like, when John Lovitz, um, who's playing, you know, the creepy guy that was in Wedding Singer and also in Little Nicky, mm-hmm. he like makes the women that are doing yoga like bounce their breasts up and down and like turn over and 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 uh show their butts but the movie is still doing that so we're still looking at it through that lens mm-hmm. and then they turn around with um the yoga instructor and the women essentially do the same thing to him and i know that they're trying to show like the parallels between that but then they also brush that off as it's okay because he's gay. And like I said before, that that is very homophobic. You can't just sexually harass a guy. If you're a straight woman, straight woman, listen to me right now. Stop sexually harassing your gay friends. Don't. Yeah, it's, uh, it is not great and it's strange. But like, I feel like they, they kind of combine, I don't know, it's showing all bad. 
Um, Because later, that same guy is hit on a lot by Nick Swardson, who's wearing a Boy George costume and is slowly taking off all his clothes. And then when they fight (laughs) some frat guy together, Nick Swardson says they make a good team and then goes in for the kiss and he just walks away. And then Nick Swardson accidentally kisses a dog and the yoga instructor throws up. But uh, <laughs> I forgot the yoga instructor threw up. That was so funny. But yeah, there's a few things with that because there's like this girl stalks slightly Adam, Adam Sandler. Sandler and like mm-hmm. makes advances on him that are uncomfortable, and he doesn't even understand it's happening, which is interesting. Yeah, but Salma Hayek is still jealous of it, though. It's kind of weird. Whereas Adam Sandler thinks you know the yoga instructor is maybe fooling around with his wife. Yeah, that he's a threat because he's attractive. When yeah, in the it, meantime, like everybody's staring at the dance instructor's boobs. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, they're they're making it's not handled super well, but no. like it shows that everyone is susceptible to this type of behavior, um, including like Kevin James tells his wife that like he looked at the dance instructor, and then she's like, "I don't care if you look at people; everyone looks. It's not a big deal." Like, I, she doesn't say, but she's like, I sexually harassed my yoga instructor earlier. And then in order to prove she was okay with it, she pulls into like a cheerleader car wash and then Lonely Island guys end up washing <laughs> the car and like rubbing yeah. their junk and on the You gotta window. love it when Bobby Moynihan is like rubbing his boobs on. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it, it's a funny scene and it shows the like, literally it's kind of a bait and switch, but it's showing like, Oh, you think it's going to be an 80s sex romp where like a bunch of girls show their panties and tits here and then it's a bunch of dudes and our reaction is like, oh, no. But like, you know, they're, they're making fun of that fact that that's what you expect because they're doing an 80s movie. Yeah, I don't I don't actually I'm not going to give them too much credit here. I don't think that they were doing anything super progressive by doing this. Um, no, it, I, it's I, just using the same joke, just reversing the 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 narrative. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I don't think it's super progressive. What I think it is, is like they're turning 80s references and like themes on their head a bit. So they might not be saying the greatest thing out of it, but they are saying like you expected a bunch of girls to wet their T-shirts and show it on camera. And we're not going to do that because. Yeah, because it's not the 80s anymore. The one the one thing that I don't think that they handled well, and I think that they were making jokes at the expense of a marginalized community, is with the transphobia. Mm-hmm. The the woman in the buff woman, she has a a character name, something Kitty, like Beefcake Kitty. Yeah, Beefcake Kitty. She's super buff. Uh, the person who plays her is a bodybuilder. I mean, she's ripped. Yeah. But she's constantly, like, made fun of her. Like, her character's made fun of. They keep calling her a man, saying that she has a penis and things like that. And that's inherently... It's both misogynistic and transphobic. Like, women can be buff. Women can be super strong and buff. That's Mm -hmm. totally fine. And making fun of somebody for being really buff and saying that you're a man is is also transphobic at the same time. Uh, And they're just making these jokes because they think that is funny. I don't think that they're trying to do anything like I don't think that they're they never end up critiquing the main characters are doing this like the wives are doing this. Yes. 
now there is a scene where because David Spade is romantically involved with her at the end, like someone calls her sir or something like that or a man. And then um, David Spade kicks them. I think they kick he kicks them um, and says, like, that's not a man. That's a woman. It's my woman. And I was like, yes, you go, David Spade, for that. But they never address it, really. And I just wish they had cut the, the transphobia out in general. Yeah. To be fair, she's also dressed up like Hulk Hogan in the last scene, but she's still very, she looks like a woman. There's no denying that she's a woman. Not that you have to look like a woman to be a woman. Yeah, it it doesn't play well. Um, It's not great. Um, And I don't think they did a good job with it, but I I would say it's jarringly bad. I think the worst scene by far in the movie is the yoga scene. Um, Yeah. And that's unfortunate because I do think the women in this movie are very funny and, you know, they actually had more room to be funny, I think, in this one a little bit, Mm -hmm. but I didn't necessarily like the scenes that they got a chance to be funny in, although Selma Hayek was great in this. It it wasn't as good as Grown Ups 1 in, in that regard, and it also didn't really pass the Bechdel test, so, because most of the scenes where the women were talking, they were talking about Lenny. Oh. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think actually all of them where they were talking together. Yeah, I was thinking of when the daughters talked, but I guess they were probably talking about dating. Yeah, they were. They were talking about dating Mm -hmm. Bumpty. Fucking, I can't believe people didn't get what Bumpty was. He even (laughs) has a ridiculous name on purpose. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, Anyway, do we have anything else to say about this movie? No, uh, a lot of things in this movie were named after Mario characters. Bumpty was, their dog Bowser was. They're making other no. 80s references. Yeah, there was also a Mario and Luigi character, like people dressed up like Mario and Luigi at the party. Yeah. Um, so there this you go. This movie is extremely clippable. I really want the clip of Brayden in like lying on like a floaty and going summer <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Like whatever he says. I want I want that as a reaction pick. I think that's great. But yeah, uh, I I enjoyed the movie. I think critics are wrong. Critics are hacks. I guess um, I'm I'm on the Sandler train still. Yeah, um, and I think uh, shout out to Camille McFadden for pulling off a bumpty. That was that was good stuff. He's been in some stuff I like also. So that guy's solid. All right, uh, you can find our podcast at Laugh at Him Pod on Twitter. And you can also play our games at wannabegames.com. Do we have any good game recommendations for this? Uh, yeah. Do we have any 80s stuff? Well, we have Badge Buddies. Um. <laughs> yeah, Badge Buddies might be our best one for this. We we did make a buddy cop game. And it, it's supposed to be about cop movies, not uh, not like, you know, copaganda. But I, I'm not a super huge fan of that anymore. But, you know, we we didn't we didn't go out trying to make something that's realistic to cops. We made it realistic to cop movies. That's the whole point of the movie or the game. You know, you can be a dog in the game because of Turner and Hooch. So. Yeah, it's true. Uh, You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash wannabe games. But instead, why don't you? Well, first, you can you can um, subscribe to this podcast. You can rate us and review us. Um, and you can share this podcast with your friends. Uh, tell them that we liked Grown Ups too, and and listen yeah, p- to our defense. Piss some people off. I like Jack and Joe also. 
I want people to hate watch or hate listen to this now, apparently. Because that would work. Me too. Yes. Um, I want to shout out the one person on Linux listening to this. I don't know how you get it on Linux, but good work. Good job. Uh, the other thing I want you to do is to donate to bhlegalfund.org, uh, and you'll be supporting the Black Hills Legal Fund. Uh, they that Your money will go directly toward getting indigenous activists in uh, with Keystone, South Dakota area out of jail for protesting on their land. Yeah, it's a good, good cause. Do that. You can see me tweet about, well, what am I tweeting about today? It's all Black Lives Matter stuff, I feel like, today. Um, at at Joska. Um, and you can see me tweet facts about Adam Sandler at Kitty Crusade. Do you know someone tweets about Adam Sandler every 30 seconds? That's food for thought. Wild. That's absolutely wild. Um, and that person is me. I'm the one who tweets about Adam Sandler every 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> uh, and uh, I always hashtag it. Hashtag take my wife, please. We're irrelevant. Uh, nope, not the right word. Let's start. I, I wrote that <laughs> word wrong, so I pronounced it wrong. Okay. Was it? Irreverent. No, that's what I wrote. But that's not the... Oh, irrelevant. <laughs> okay, now I'm ready. Okay, ready? One, One two, two, three. three. We're irrelevant. <laughs> I said it wrong again, right? Or did I say- yeah. You said it Relevant? wrong. Irrelevant. 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 <laughs> Is that it? Irrele- irrelevant? Irrelevant. 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 Okay. One, two, <laughs> okay. three. We're irrelevant. Motherfucker. <laughs> God damn it. We're irrelevant. Irre- Why can't I say that <laughs> no. fucking word, dude? Think of it like elephant. Yeah, elephant. <laughs> I'm no. fucking losing it. Relevant? <laughs> Irrelevant. Irrelevant. What the fuck? No. <laughs> Holy shit.